You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about Avengers Infinity War. I realize that this is another old episode, but like with episodes like the Black Panther one and some of the other ones that we've had fairly recently, um, just clearing out the backlog and, you know, we had a a great cast on this one and there were a lot of insightful comments so uh definitely felt like all of that contribution should get out there and hey if you're true mcu fans you probably watch these movies over and over again anyway so maybe this will give you some extra insight now of course we do make some predictions in this and yeah, the less said about that, the better, because we're really off base with a lot of that about our predictions for Endgame. But hey, as we get caught up, these movie episodes will become a lot more topical. So without further ado, here is the Avengers Infinity War episode. Let's meet our guests for this week. So first up, hailing from the Planet of the Apes uh, is my friend Mark Finn. How are you doing, Mark? Take your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. Oh, wait. Wrong movie. Uh, hey, Nathan, I don't feel so good. Um, well, oh. <laughs> it's okay, Mark. We'll, uh, we'll find somebody else to take your spot if you fade away. <laughs> so, how have you been doing? Brother, I am uh, surviving and thriving. All is well, and uh, I'm just going to be your hope I can help the ball team. All right. Excellent. And uh, anything new and exciting happened for you since the last time you were on the show? Uh, geez. Uh, no, nothing really. Uh, I've just been uh, I've been kind of uh, uh, prepping for summer movies. You know, mm. here at the movie theater, I've been uh, setting up all the the giveaways that we do for opening night and stuff like that. And we've already done a, a couple of these. So uh, it's been, it's just been great. I, I, the start of summer movies is sort of like uh, the first week of school. You know, you're full of promise and hope. You mm -hmm. think it's going to be different this year. This is before your hopes and dreams are dashed and you don't have a, a date to homecoming and, and prom ends up being a bust and you're failing geometry. And then you're like at the end of it going, Oh, this just sucks. But junior year will be way better. So so right now we're in that hopeful optimism football uh, team hasn't lost a game yet phase. I feel like we just got a mini biography for you. This is so <laughs> oddly specific. Right. <laughs> I am nothing if not oddly specific. <laughs> a brief history of Mark. But <laughs> all right. Well, uh, it's good to have you back on the show, Mark. Always good to be here. All right, and next up, hailing from the island of Themyscira, where she was a statue of clay that was brought to life, is my friend Angie. How are you doing, Angie? 
I am doing great. I actually caught up on Legends uh, last night, so I got to see Helen of Troy show back up again. Mm-hmm. Kicks my ass. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> good times. <laughs> yeah, and um, so, so are you catching up on all the Berlanti shows? Yeah, uh, Legends is just the only one on Netflix right now, and oh, right. I don't feel like paying for the others, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> We'll wait till they show up on Netflix. Yeah, Arrow should show up any day now because that season ended last week. Show up. I think it's because Legends was so much shorter than the others. Right. Yeah, they ended in April. So, yeah, the, the, with the agreement they have with Netflix, it's like a, it, a week or two after the season ends, the the season shows up on Netflix. And that's why they're not on Hulu anymore. Is it was an exclusivity deal that they made. Works out well for me. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what's been new and exciting for you, Angie? Um, not a whole lot. Just excited to uh, watch some movies this summer, um, do some costuming, kind of get back in the groove of things. Are you going to some cons? Um, we're going to at least go to the local one. Um, I, I've kind of gotten attached to the idea of dressing my kid up in a Padawan outfit, so <laughs> I, <laughs> I think... I think I'm finally going to do Leia. I have not done her before, and I've always wanted to do her Cloud City outfit, so that's where we're at. Cool, yeah. No, I mean, Beth really loves that, too, dressing the kids up and treating them like her dolls. I get it. (laughs) You only get so many years, man. Right. (laughs) He's going to develop opinions soon (laughs) that I'm in trouble. Oh, man. All right, well, it's good to have you back on the show, Angie. Thanks for having me. And finally, hailing from the city of Troy, she of the hair that launched a thousand ships, is my buddy Sam. How are you doing, Sam? I'm doing good, Nathan. (laughs) So, what's been going on for you since the last time you were on, which, was it Justice League? Yeah, I think Justice League was my was my last appearance, which, always a good one to end on, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) So you're just doing the team movies now. You're, you're, you know. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Because, I mean, TV's just a lot harder for me to, to watch, even with Netflix and everything, because I live with a toddler. And uh, we have certain movies on rotation. Yep. Uh, we currently have Moana, Despicable Me 3, sometimes Despicable Me 2, uh, <laughs> just <Sure>. added Coco. <laughs> so. I've only seen one of those so far. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so th- that's what my life is right now. Mm. Um, I actually did see Deadpool 2 this weekend, so uh, uh, I'm able to sneak away for a couple of hours to, to watch something else that isn't family-friendly. <laughs> I'd, I'd say that goes from the sacred to the profane. Uh, <laughs> to go from Despicable Me 2 to Deadpool 2 is sort of like, uh, wow. <laughs> I just have that ability to turn my brain off in certain ways. <laughs> sure, sure. No, no. I say if you can only go, you know, get all your adult movie out in two hours, and that's Deadpool right there. Yep, yep. And it's and it's pretty good. I, I highly recommend if you like the first one. Second one's just as good. Yeah, I remember those mind-numbing years when Nuke Jr. was always on at the house, and I, oh, those same shows. And they, you know, and and the best thing is for like preschool age shows, they only ever make like ten or thirteen episodes. So if you, like, have it on a lot, you know that entire series backwards and forwards, and it's always so inane and mind-numbing, and it's just 
yeah at least movies like you know kids movies like they try yeah no i mean it's i can tell you exactly what's happening in the background of every scene in moana at this point so i'm just, I'm just saying I'm, i think i've had enough of it for a bit <laughs> i love you lin-manuel miranda but i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> Uh, other than that, yeah, I've, uh, I launched my new uh, blog about uh, archives and pop culture, so mm-hmm. there's that. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, no, and I and I've read the articles that you posted online, and uh, you know, I find that really interesting. And it's cool that you're able to blog about you know your profession and tie it in with geeky stuff. So I think that's you know really fun. My my life stream is has finally come true, Nathan. Well, there I, you go. Now you just need to make money from it, right? <laughs> Oh man, that'll never happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm a realist. <laughs> Did you say you're blogging about archives in popular culture? Yes, I am. So, a, so like the Bowling Green people. University uh, special collection kind of archives? Sure, sure. Yep, yep. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, remind me to introduce you to my buddy Jess Nevins. Oh, okay. Uh, Jess is a uh, librarian and, and writes pop culture encyclopedias, and he's actually got a book that's got a list of all the pulp holdings in various uh, universities across the country, and he tells you what's in there. Yeah, that's so cool, yeah. he he's he's you you would dig him. He is he he's got your brain, uh, and and he is very deeply read. So I think uh, you two would would hit it off uh, spectacularly. And he's probably got some cool uh, things that you may not know about. So no, fodder, yeah. fodder for future uh, things. For sure, yeah. And I'm trying to do some interviews and stuff as well with people who curate. Uh, pop culture stuff in museums as well so that would be right up my alley yeah totally yeah uh hit me up after this and i'll uh i'll make sure to do an introduction for you guys sweet yeah all right the 42 cast making connections that's gonna be the next episode making connections (laughs) it's great to have you back on sam oh good to be here All right, so um, because we're going to talk about another movie, and because I know we're going to have a good amount to say, we're going to skip the five-minute controversy this week because we don't want this to go out into the weeds, so um, or at least any more than it is going to anyway. Right. So <laughs> we're going Wait, to isn't Infinity War the five-minute controversy? <laughs> the, well, <laughs> five-hour controversy, maybe. <laughs> right, no, we got to stretch those labels. <laughs> That's right. All right, but um, then uh, what we're going to do is we're going to pause briefly here for a promo from another fine podcast. Hey, all, this is Drew Leiter from the Earth Station DCU podcast, and I'm here to tell you that Cletus and I are back. Yes, we uh, got one of the shuttlecrafts working that got marooned on a planet called Mogo. No, not the Green Lantern planet, but that's a story for another time. We're here to tell you we're back. We're back to talk about DC news. We're here to talk about comics. And of course, we're here to talk about DC television shows. We're very excited about talking Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover coming up. So make sure you tune in to listen to us. We're right here on the ESO Network.
And we're back. And like we talked about at the top of the show, we are talking about Avengers Infinity War, which is a little movie that you might not have heard about that combines uh, several previous movies, um, starring the likes of Robert Downey Jr., uh, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, and many of the other characters that are actors and characters who have uh, sort of joined the cinematic universe that Marvel's doing. Um, course i'm completely bsing here because it's a huge movie it uh broke all kinds of records and uh it's taken the box office by storm i had intended to look up well what their take was at this point but i know it was 1.6 billion last uh week um and uh i'm sure the number has just shot up since then um it's a lot it's a lot yes it's it's a lot um so uh just you know, I kind of struggle with these kinds of things because, you know, when you're dealing with a movie, it's like you try to go through like character by character that would take, you know, three days. Um, so let's just sort of go with overview of the movie and, uh, you know, what, what what did you like about the movie? Um, so, Angie, let's start with you. Sure. Um, I was actually really impressed with... Um how well the uh, the film broke up groups of characters and stitched them back together with other groups of characters and kind of made it work. Um, I actually really hate it when um, the group gets broken up, which is kind of why I had such a problem with Stranger Things the second season. Um, but this movie, I was really impressed with how they were able to do it and not, um, not have a movie that was floundering or too uneven. It was all just very um, dynamic. I was my biggest takeaway for such a large cast. I was really concerned it was going to be a hot mess. And I think they, they held it together. Yeah. I mean, if the Russos are great at anything, it's a structure, you know, and I think that the structure of this movie was really well done and all the cutting back and forth. It never felt like we hung too long on any particular group and didn't get enough of another one. It felt like the, the, you know, it was very well divided up. And when you're dealing with, 60 something main characters <laughs> you know that's yeah. pretty amazing <laughs> um sam what about you um i really enjoyed it uh i mean i i wish that i i don't understand why they took off the part one because it wasn't it originally marketed as infinity war part one when they yes. were like planning out the the universe anyway um i mean the the way they set it up it's like well duh it's a part one <laughs> um but uh, no, I mean, like Angie said, I, I really enjoyed how they um, broke up uh, certain groupings. And then, uh, I mean, like, y- you wouldn't figure that Thor and Groot and, and Rocket would make for such a fun trio. But here we are. And um, there they were. I-, I want the Thor and Rocket movie right now. Yeah. Um, that's that's all I want, actually. That's that's the next movie I want to see. It's just Thor and Sweet Rabbit. Um, <laughs> He's obviously the captain. Yeah, of course. He's you're a dude. He's a god. Um, so I, I I really enjoy, it, especially like having all of these characters who, you know, and and it's it's easy enough to let you look at. Tony Stark and Doctor Strange are practically the same character, only one is magic and one is technology, but still being able to give them kind of distinct voices regardless, like, to to be able to have all of these characters still be themselves and not feel like any of them are are being sacrificed at the altar of the movie or anything, I mean, until the end, but... Uh, <laughs> like uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it worked really well, the way they had it set up. 
Yeah, getting into the Infinity War Part 1 thing, the only reason that I can see that they did this is that, you know, me following the comics and, and figuring what was Part 1, Part 2 that had to end the way that it was going to end, um, mm-hmm. when they took off that Part 1, it gave me just the briefest moment of doubt, you know, that maybe it is going to be a one-and-done movie, and maybe Avengers 4 is only going to be tangentially connected to this, and it's not going to be the, the, you know, aftermath of half the universe, you know, being slaughtered. But, mm-hmm. you know, even though, you know... And so there was just that briefest amount of doubt. And, of course, they did do what I assumed they were going to do with, you know, destroying half the universe. But for those of us who were fans and who knew, you know, the storyline from the comics, it... it was at least something to give us pause. And I think that's what Feige's doing. Feige's starting to understand there's sort of a meta sense out there, too. Which is mm-hmm. why they've held back from announcing any more titles than the ones that were already announced, even though word's gotten out that we're working on a script for Black Panther 2. It was never officially announced. You know, yeah, so... I think a lot of people assumed that was going to happen because it made a billion dollars. Right, exactly. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, Feige's trying to realize, starting to realize that, you know, we really got to keep as many of our cards close to the chest possible because you know it makes it more satisfying for the audience so i think i think that's the what's going on there i mean maybe i'm off base but that's that's what i'm thinking um mark uh what about you uh yeah i uh i think it uh i think it exceeded my expectations and and everybody else's as well um uh, and uh, I want to build off of something that uh, that Sam said regarding the the pairings because I think that uh, uh, I, th- I think that that the that one of the joys of the Marvel movies is watching these characters knock into one another mm. right uh, and because it's always uh, uh, it, 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 this is one of the fundamental uh, tenets of the Marvel comics and the uh, uh, storytelling is that when these characters cross over, they don't always get along. Uh, you know, it's it's always sort of a cliche that uh, the and especially in the Silver and Bronze Age uh, that uh, w- whenever the crossover would inevitably happen, it would always lead to at least initially a fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, until they figured out, oh, we want the same thing. We just wanted it. In different way and you see this starting with the first avengers movie you know and and that was in itself an ambitious project you know we're gonna we're gonna make six movies so we can make a seventh (laughs) you know uh fantastic you know and people were like oh i don't know if this is gonna work but then it did and so so the i see avengers infinity war as just an extension of that premise you know there is no backstory or setup uh, amongst any of the established characters other than the scenes that establish what they're currently doing. And what's nice about that is, uh, you know, we're able to contextually figure out that Tony and Pepper uh, got engaged in in Spider-Man Homecoming and now uh the the shoe has dropped and they're married uh vision continues to evolve and he and scarlet witch are now an item uh you know uh cap and uh natasha and the falcon uh have have, have stolen a avengers quinjet and are and are doing secret avengers missions this is all fantastic and it takes almost no cinema time so this is thanos's movie now mm-hmm 
You know, uh, he's the one that we have only gotten glimpses of before. And, and I think that, uh, uh, they've done a, an amazing job of using the first 18 movies to to establish the, how they're going to tell the story and then tell this story in a way that if anybody else had tried this, DC, Justice League, if anybody else had tried it, um, it would have come, come off as rushed. We would have been like, why do we care about these characters? I don't know who any of them are. Uh, but when, when T'Challa shows up and Steve Rogers steps out of the Quinjet and says, it seems like every time uh, I see you, I'm asking you for a favor, you go, oh, yeah, because at the end of the day, it's so good that we're back in Wakanda. That's awesome. We just left here, you know. So that, so it, it's a, I think it uh, was a triumph on, on every level. Uh, for comic fans, for MCU fans, uh, even the critics were like, "Well, I have to give it to them. <laughs> they pulled it off." <laughs> Except that's for what that Kevin, one New York Times writer. <laughs> well, that that New York Times writer uh, was was writing clickbait. Yeah. You know, he was intentionally not getting it, and or not uh, not New York Times New Yorker. Uh, yeah, he was he was intentionally doing that because you know. Uh, uh, he's always been a champion of the art house film and there's no reason for him to, you know, this was not his movie, you know, and never was going to be, but I think everybody else, you know, they'd stop. They stopped with the, is this going to be the Marvel movie that, that goes off the rails? Is, is th- will this be the Marvel movie that totally screws the pooch? They'd stop doing that after black, you know, before black Panther came out, they, we got to Thor Ragnarok. And everybody was like, okay, they really can do anything, whatever they want to do at this point. But for that whole year prior to this, it's going to be, this movie's going to be so big. Will this be the movie that finally falls down under the weight of its own characters? No. (laughs) No, this wasn't the movie. Ha ha. Nanny, nanny, boo boo. (laughs) Turns out they know what they're doing and it's working. Weirdly enough, ten years and eighteen movies later, they've uh, they have established a new subgenre of the superhero movie, the Marvel superhero movie, which is its own thing. I, I will say this though, just going back to your specific examples, though, I feel like the Vision and Scarlet Witch one did not work uh, because we've seen so little of them together that to then make that the heart wrenching final, you know, close to the end scene was her, you know, having to destroy you know, the vision, I didn't care as much as I should have, I felt. And I felt that that's because we went from Civil War when we know that, okay, he just phases into her room sometimes inappropriately to, oh, we're lovers and we care about each other so much. They tried to make soup together. It means something. (laughs) So He 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 was protecting her, and she and she was clearly into him. I I don't think it was a leap. And especially because all of the other relationships developed off screen as well, right? I mean, we see Cap and uh, we we see Cap walking up to the jail cell to free Falcon at the end of uh, Civil War, and you know now uh, you know at, at, in this movie they've obviously been operating on their own for a while now. They're the secret right, Avengers, right? right? But we already had those relationships between him, sure. Natasha, and Falcon from Winter Soldier. So there was nothing really, and I mean, Tony and Peter's relationship was developed in Spider-Man Homecoming. 
And so right. all those other ones, we kind of already had like the touchstones or were new ones that they developed within the movie, like Thor and Rocket um, was a completely new thing. <laughs> you could have you, you could have used basically one more beat somewhere between Civil War and now yeah. is what you're saying to me. Yes. And, and believe me, I know I know the comic background of the two of them and everything. But right. I feel like this version of them, you know, I felt like needed like one extra like thing in between from, you know, vision. Don't walk in my room to we're lovers and we'll die for each other. You know, there, there needed to be something there. Well, and it, it especially becomes frustrating when it boils down to, like, just take the stone out of him for crying out loud. <laughs> it just gets to a point where, like, well, I get it. Yeah, I mean, it. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I do. And I do have to distance myself a little from the movie because one of the first comics that I read was Warlock and the Infinity Watch and uh, Infinity Gauntlet preceding that. And so, to me, the idea that an Infinity Stone or gem or whatever you want to call it can be destroyed was already kind of like... This is one of the six aspects of creation itself. You can't destroy it, you know, but whatever. That's the MCU. So (laughs) that bothered me. But um, I almost think it doesn't quite matter if their relationship seemed a little rushed or maybe like we missed a beat because I was so furious that she did it and they won, but he had the time stone, so it didn't matter. Oh, but but you saw (laughs) that coming, right? I sure did, but right. oh man, I was mad. Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was like, oh, as soon as he gets the time stone from Strange, I'm like, so she's gonna she's gonna kill Vision, and it's gonna turn back time. So yeah, but what I what I did like, and what I think Marvel has been so smart about is how they faked the commercials for Infinity War, like what stones Thanos has on his gauntlet in certain scenes. They like change it so all the people trying to guess the order of the movie were completely wrong. Because you know it wasn't it wasn't in the same order that the the movie you know had him collecting the stones and stuff like that, and I love the misdirection because all Did these they do that with Hulk too because Hulk is in a lot of uh, promos running up with everyone's like he don't he's not in this he don't do anything yep nope I love it I love all the misdirection because one of the things that made me so mad with this movie is all the people saying this is what's going to happen. And they were all wrong. That was one of the first things I posted. Everything you know you've heard about Infinity War before the movie came out is all wrong. I don't know a single person that guessed anything that happened in the movie um, accurately, or other than the big beat of snapping. But most people are like, it's going to set up secret invasion or something like that. And I'm like, there's no way you go from Thanos to Skrulls. That's such a come down. You know right. what I mean? It's like a DC move. It's <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway. You know how everybody loved how we introduced uh, uh, the new gods like so flippantly? Let's do it again! <laughs> uh, but, but for me, and, and, you know, I talked about the commercials, but that's not the thing I, I loved about the movie. The, the movie, um, what I thought, and it's kind of a riff on, on what you guys have all been saying about how well they handled the characters and everything, but also I think for a movie... That where the third, like the last third of the movie is all one big action sequence, they handled the action amazingly well. Because at no point did I zone out and go, man, this is getting boring. You know, it's just, it's just so much visual stuff that I'm just shutting down. You right. know, they, they right. cut at just the right moments. They kept things moving between Titan, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce the Forge place, and <laughs> Wakanda. So that, you know, there was always stuff going on, but you were bouncing between the three locations. And, and the other beautiful part, 
I could actually follow the fights. Yeah. yeah. There yeah, was no yeah. shaky cam. There was no, you know, uh, we're, you know, in the perspective of the character. And so it's just, you know, stuff flying everywhere and you don't, you don't understand what's going on. I, that, I, is, that, is some, that is something that they've really done very well, especially with the Avengers movies where they know they've got multiple things, you know, happening in a, in a shot. Mm-hmm. They've done a, they've done a fantastic job, the Russo brothers and, and, and Whedon on the first two Avengers of, Pulling back far enough so that we can see what's happening, and and it and then it becomes this like double page spread looking thing, right? Uh, it it really felt like I was looking at somebody who was who was trying to do George Perez panels uh, as as a as a living tableau, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is what you want in these kinds of movies. You want this, uh, you want the scenes where they're all kind of doing something at the same time, you know, uh, cause that's, that's what Perez always did with his, with his Avengers things. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. The, 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 the way they visually shot the movie, uh, not only made it, uh, uh, urgent, but also made it, uh, interesting. And, and I never got lost in what was happening, which was, which is, uh, these days, that's actually a, a, a huge compliment. <laughs> yeah. With the first Avengers, one of the things that made me a true believer that they knew what they were doing was that I was like, man, when you have such a disparity between characters like Black Widow and Hawkeye, and you've got characters like Hulk and Thor, you know, you can make it work in the comics, but how are you going to do that in a movie? And Whedon found a way of giving them each something to do that was valuable to the mission. And this movie did the same thing. Like, you've got Thor taking out capital ships Mm, while Steve's, like, punching, you know, uh, xenomorph-looking things, you know, (laughs) down on the ground, and you're cutting between them, and that's right, because, you know, if somebody of Thor's power level, you have him taking out the ships, right? you know, but he can't handle, you know, he's not handling the nitty-gritty, you know, the other guys are doing that. So I like that. It was, again, hearkening back to that of understanding the power levels involved and making sure that everyone had something to do that was important. Yes. Yes, uh, I do want to. I do want to say something about uh, Tony Stark and uh, Stephen Strange, uh, because I because, because and, and Samantha, you're you're spot on. You know, uh, they are the they are very much alike uh, in that they are uh, huge egoists. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, but I what I liked best about the scene, uh, the, their scenes together, is that. It at what what it instead of emphasizing the ways that they're alike, it emphasized the ways that they're actually very not alike. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Stephen Strange still has his his ego, but now it's wrapped up in his responsibility as you know master of the mystic art sorcerer supreme guardian of this realm, uh, which is which is great. And and I and I love the fact that. Tony is actually not on equal footing with him because he does not understand magic. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and and so there's that, that, you know, there's a couple of digs, right. You know, wizards and magic uh, necklaces and all that kind of stuff. That's fun. But when the, when the cloak of levitation slaps his hand, (laughs) you you see, he, you know, he takes a beat and says, okay, I'm going to allow that. Cause he, cause he doesn't understand it. (laughs) And so that's what, so what's really great about that is, is he's not, 
even though he's the guy calling the shots in, in, in the scene, he's not the guy with all the answers. And, and, and he really hasn't been for a while now, you know, as the, you know, that's, that's the whole point of Iron Man three is, you know, the universe just opened up under his feet and he's not prepared for it. So, well, yeah, I mean, but, his whole arc in this movie is him and his PTSD calling the shots for yeah. Peter Strange and himself. And it's just like, we're, we're going to take the fight to him, you know, because right. he's been obsessing about this ever since the Battle yes. of New York. Well, and, and it's interesting that Strange is coming off a win um, and Robert Downey Jr. is coming off of Civil War. I mean, he's in a really low spot. And yeah, they they have very similar personalities, but Strange is kind of like first avengers tony stark he he hasn't really had that horrible crushing kind of loss and the the trauma that comes with you know what what tony's been through that's right i almost almost got the impression that tony maybe even subconsciously was acting on that when he was so annoyed with strange oh yeah yeah no i think i think that whole uh I, i i think the the digging you know, uh, especially when talking with Spider-Man, you know, he uh, one of the things about Spider-Man is, you know, he is uh, he, Tony's got a partner here, however unlikely. Mm-hmm. So I just I, one of my favorite things in the movie is when Spider-Man comes swinging in going, hey, Mr. Stark, what's going on? Uh, these guys are wizards. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's just that, that very simplistic explanation is just hysterical, you know, or when Banner's having trouble hulking out and he's like. You're embarrassing me in front front of the the wizards. wizards. (laughs) And there's just a hint of scorn in all that. You know, there's that, you know, uh, there's all, it's almost uh, a Trump bully nickname. You know, it (laughs) almost is. I gotta, I gotta take some of the sass out of this guy. So he's, he's the wizard. He's not the sorcerer supreme. He's the wizard with the magic necklace. So... (laughs) But I also like how Peter kind of acts as like this this great grounding agent for yes. for uh, for Tony as well. Like oh. it's his surrogate son basically now, and right. he's you know he's concerned for him even though he doesn't want to show it because he's freaking Tony Stark. Um, but with, in those interactions between him and uh, him and Peter, and then Peter with with uh, Strange and Tony, like just it's this. I mean, again, these are Marvel movies, so this like dysfunctional family dynamic always works with them. And so having right. having Tony have someone he has to keep his eye on and is concerned about because I know that everyone like got a little pissy about like the the amount of people who died, you know, died quote unquote um, at the end. But when Peter's is like, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, you know, that whole thing like that's heart wrenching because Tom Holland is first of all acting the out of that um, <laughs> but at the same time yeah no i mean at the same time you understand what this means to tony because i think everyone was banking on tony dying yes. you know yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. of all That's, the people he seemed likely yeah uh, spider spider-man is the everyman in this in this world of gods and monsters you know mm-hmm. yeah and so he represents he's kind of us still uh, mm-hmm. In that POV kind of way, so uh, so yeah, the, it's uh, Tony taking responsibility for him is is huge, and this of course leads to my master thesis statement. So <laughs> Nathan, yeah, oh, well, well, can I can I can I just pause for a moment here and get a word of into us? Because I want to tee up on dissertation, right? Yeah, because I want to tee up on two things here. Because first off, um, uh, talking about. Um, you know who died and 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 you know we all thought that tony was going to die one of the 
master classes on this again getting into their knowledge of the meta i mean this is next level they're getting into not only telling a great story but making sure that their great story also works in the meta level where they know that the viewers are trying to second guess them is those of us who are familiar with the comics material we all expected loki to become thanos's lieutenant and to be sort of in the background trying to wait for his chance to take the gauntlet off of him basically uh, taking the mephisto role from infinity gauntlet and the other thing we all expected was for tony to die and they teased us on both counts we have loki playing the game with thanos in the beginning you know, where he's like, oh, you need a guide for Earth. Let me serve you and all that kind of stuff. But then it totally goes in a different direction than what you're expecting. And Thanos just kills them. And the other one was Tony who gets stabbed. And you're like, there it is. You know, Thanos impaled him. You know, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's dead, you know. And then at the end, he's the only one of the crew in Titan besides Nebula who survives. Um, which was completely unexpected for me. He um, needed more PTSD, quite frankly. Right, yes, I exactly. Don't think he has enough. <laughs> that survivor's guilt, you know, we just needed to add that on top of everything else. So. But the thing is, because I, 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 what I, because I, I, I know people were like really pissed off at Star-Lord. Um, mm, I was. And, but, but what I, I liked about that whole thing is that it's Tony's exact story from Civil War. Right. It's, it's him... Uh, letting his emotions uh, carry him through and then giving into what, you know, Baron Zemo wanted. Same thing with Star-Lord. And I feel like that's going to be the the road into reconciliation between him and Cap. He's going to be like, look, I just saw this guy do the exact same thing I did, like, a couple of, <laughs> couple of years ago. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> or in his own Tony Stark way. He, he wouldn't really apologize directly, but... Um, he might though, because that's you know that that's part of the emotional growth. Mm-hmm. These the, the the master thesis that I wrote is on my blog, Mark the Aging Hipster, uh, at Blogspot, uh, which which is fifteen thousand words, and I I know that you guys didn't read it because uh, it is it's ridiculously long. But it it I it boils down to this: the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, is all around. It centers on. Uh, uh, daddy issues. The it, the whole thing is about dysfunctional families, the relationships to same. Ninety uh, percent of it is it has to do with fathers. Uh, a little of it has to do with moms, uh, but most of it is absent fathers, father figures, uh, uh, notions of masculinity, the role of the patriarch in uh, in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, and, and you can chart that with just nearly every character. Uh, there are a few exceptions, but uh, even though they, they still kind of fit because they all have to do with the way that they were raised and the way that they were brought up. I'm speaking, of course, of um, Black Widow. Uh, you know, in the absence of parents, she was still in a very dysfunctional relationship as a child. But but this the 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 the, the crux of the story uh hinges on the most abusive relationship that we've seen to date you know uh thanos uh the man who murdered uh gamora's mom and uh adopted gamora and tortured uh the other adopted sister and uh set up this this horrible 
uh, twisted notion of love. Uh, this, this just, I, I mean, it's, it's not even thinly, it, it's not even disguised abuse. It's very obvious, overt abuse. And so, uh, when you, when you, when you factor all this stuff in and, and, and look at it, you know, you, of course you have star Lord as he's still in the role of man child, you know, he still hasn't dealt with any of his stuff. Uh, Here's the funny thing about Star-Lord and getting to your thesis is that when Thor talks about his tragic background, Star-Lord's going to try to one-up him and be like, mine's right. more tragic than yours is. Yeah, is it any... Is my it dad any wonder, killed my other dad. Right. Is, is, is it any wonder that he's half ego, right? I mean, you know, I mean, that's, again, not even not even thinly disguised. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I think that... Uh, I think that this whole... Um, I, I think Tony will be probably the first of the man children to actually grow up. Uh, you see him starting to try and do it in Spider-Man Homecoming, however misguided. And uh, and that continues into this. Uh, and, and I hope, I really kind of hope that Disney can keep dangling $40 million in front of Robert Downey Jr. Uh, I don't think we need another Iron Man movie, but I really like him in support roles for the other movies where he gets basically two to three scenes with whoever he's with and flies off in the armor. I think, I think that's, I, I want to see more of that. I so like you just introduce Riri Williams and then you've got a whole other side of your franchise right there. And Robert Downey Jr. can come back as much as he wants or as little as he wants. And right. Exactly. You know, I, yeah, I'm, you can still put, uh, you can rotate, uh, Don Cheadle into the Iron Man armor, but I, yeah. but, Having Robert Downey Jr. pop in and out uh, without making him the star attraction, I, I think is awesome. And I think you can do it with Chris Evans and, and Black Widow. I think you can do it. Well, you can't really do it with Hemsworth uh, because uh, we all want Beta Ray Bill. So. <laughs> you know, they they brought up Stormbringer and I was like, oh, my God, please, right. please introduce Beta Ray Bill, please. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, well, yeah, I won't get into my Thor rant, but anyway, <clears throat> I already got into that with Thor Ragnarok. But, but Nathan, but Nathan, I, uh, to your point, uh, you know, uh, this is a, this is a wonderful thing that we have actually progressed as a society to the point where, uh, um, the studio can make massive sweeping structural changes to a beloved storyline and not only do people not mind but they're actually glad because um it so doesn't resemble the other story that they didn't mess it up really did they you know right. infinity war and infinity gauntlet are still there and they're in trade paperback form and you know on marvel unlimited and you can download that stuff and it's cheap and easy to get but um uh, they've they've so established the cinematic universe as this separate but equal thing, almost like a multiverse, that uh, nobody minds that that these massive sweeping changes have taken place, which I think is a win-win for everybody because the stories that they're telling in the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, still maintain the core of the character, right? Everybody is still recognizable uh, as who they are, Um 
you know, some more than others, but but especially with these initial Avengers uh, outings, uh, you know, uh, I don't know that you could get a better Captain America than Chris Evans, Uh, Steve Rogers, in in any case. Well, yeah, see, I hesitate with stuff like that, though, because, I mean, people say that all the time about roles like, oh, Jack Nicholson, you could never replace him as the Joker. He was the one. And then, you know. You know, you get Mark Hamill, you get Heath Ledger, you get all these other Jokers and people, well, they're amazing too. So I always hesitate with, uh, you know, this is the perfect actor for the role because, you know, there are other great actors out there who can do a new take on it and do different things with it. And so, you know, we never know until we see it. Marvel has established themselves enough where they could, they don't need the core Avengers anymore to Mm. carry anything. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, that Marvel is now, they're so opened up, and especially with Infinity War, showing that they can handle a multitude of characters. And they don't necessarily all have to have these huge arcs. I mean, Tony gets the the biggest one in terms of just because it's been set up since the first Avengers movie, you know? So a lot of, we're just more aware of that storyline than anything else. I mean, that's the only one that's really running through it, you know, other than Thanos. Um, so I feel like with Marvel, the, the, with each movie that passes and each, as the cast gets bigger and bigger in terms of their universe, there's just more confidence in being able to to utilize characters that people would think were impossible. I mean, it's like Guardians was the perfect example. No one was going like, yeah, sure, Guardians of the Galaxy, that'll be great. Turns out good. You know, it was. And right. and now we're like, yeah, we want our own separate universe of Guardians movies. Turns out it's pretty sweet, you know? Right. So the, Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice that the, yeah, the, the, the second and third tier characters are uh are absolutely uh some of my favorite in the Marvel universe. Uh mm-hmm. and I love the fact that we've got a second Ant-Man movie coming. We're going to get another Doctor Strange movie. These are all and these are all characters that I love. I you know, I, I I'm I'm excited about it. And I I like the fact that uh they they're they're playing with genre instead of trying to make superhero movies. Three right? words for you. Howard the Duck. I can, I'm I'm ready. Uh, that's what I want. I'm I'm ready at this point. Uh, yeah. As long as guns involved, uh, I think it'll work. You know. Uh, yeah. So so that's a and, and you know and Marvel Netflix as well. You know Luke Cage is one of my favorite uh, characters. So so these the the fact that uh, and, and in Civil War we got Ant Man riding on the arrowhead that Hawkeye fires, yes. which is which is straight out of the comics. You mm-hmm. know. A, and and what a scene I never thought I'd ever see in a million years. Hawkeye firing an arrow with Ant-Man holding on to the to the to the uh arrowhead. That's uh, ah Oh my, my <laughs> fanboy screwy mark was uh, on Titan when Star Lord and, and Tony they're arguing and in the background Doctor Strange is just hovering in the lotus position. Yes. Because that is such an iconic you know, th- uh, Doctor Strange thing. That's what he does when he's thinking. You know, he does yeah. that. And, yeah, the, hub, yeah, the, the, I, the strange uh, hub, Lotus Hover is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was so good. And uh, so, yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, you're, you're right. We don't have to rely on on the Chris's anymore. Uh, I, I, we all love them. But uh, if we get Riri Williams and if we get Rhodes uh, or Sebastian Shaw as as Cap and somebody Sebastian else to be Ray Bill, 
Sebastian oh, Shaw would be no, a weird uh, choice. <laughs> Sebastian Stan, I'm sorry. I, I just watched I, Tanya, and he's, totally he, he disappears in that role. Uh, but because uh, I, I, he's got two names, it always it irritates me. I see. Uh, I'm more of a fan of the idea that uh, Sam Wilson becomes Captain America after uh, that, Steve Rogers. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like Anthony Mackie. So I. So I'm for all of that. And then and then the next you know phase four of the Marvel universe uh, is is new stuff you know get, uh, i've wanted a black widow movie uh since avengers you know uh i uh i i can't wait to see what the second black panther looks like um uh they, they can tom holland can can make spider-man movies until he's 40 as far as i'm concerned he's my, <laughs> oh, he, as he, long he, as he, he doesn't is, pretend he's in high school the whole time even though no, he's 40 no, he's, he's he's my Peter's he's 18. my favorite spider-man hands down i just think i just think he uh he really gets that character uh, in a way that the other guys didn't, and granted, they were they were hampered by still making superhero movies and not Marvel movies. Uh, but you know, Holland and Mar- and Marvel had the benefit of of looking at five Spider-Man movies before and going, okay, what they get right, what they get wrong. But in in Tom's case, you know, I think he's he's just he is note for note perfect. So. So yeah, let's 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 all have more of that, and 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 more still. Uh, kill Black Panther, put Shuri in the costume, and have uh, and let's do this. You know. Too soon. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Can we yeah. just enjoy Chadwick Boseman for yeah. a little bit longer first, please. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, it's a little bit different when we've had nine movies with Chris Evans as Captain America, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. You know, we're like, okay, somebody new can take on that mantle. Yeah, I'm a little more Chadwick Boseman. But, they, they took my Heimdall away. I need something. Yeah. Oh my god, uh, <laughs> Heimdall. Yeah, but, but, but Edgy, um, you know, before we the podcast, we had talked a little bit, and you said that we should title this one "In Strange We Trust." And so, so since we've, you know, we've been talking a lot, I wanted to give you the floor a little bit to discuss um, what you feel like some people who have seen the movie have been missing, and uh, why you wanted to call it "In Strange We Trust." Oh, yeah. So Strange had a couple of lines that I I thought were pretty key, and it weirded me out to get online and see a lot of people seem to miss the second half of it. Um, So he, you know, he uses the eye of of, uh, Time Stone. He uses the Time Stone. (laughs) (laughs) Agamotto. (laughs) Yeah, that one. And, uh, you know, he sees all these potential futures, and there's only one where they win, right? So the number of people who think that they just lost at the end just boggles my mind. I don't, I mean, his very last line to, to Tony is that this was the only way after he explicitly told Tony that he would let them die to protect that stone. Mm. So to me, it's a hundred percent clear that he put them on their one path to win and they're still in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah. He specifically says we're in the end game now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and in and, fact, it's telling that he, he gives Thanos the time stone to keep him from finishing Tony off, which tells me Tony's going to be key to however they win it. And that Tony needed to be preserved above all else, because that's that's important. Um, so we'll see how that all plays into it, but I, I think that's what's going to end up happening. And 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 I'm wondering, and, and I don't want to get too much into speculation, but I'm wondering if you know, in some way with Avengers 4, part of how they have to undo it will require the sacrifice of one of the original Avengers, which might end up being Tony as his last act of atonement 
you know, for all the trouble he's caused. Um, you yeah, know. I think that that might end up being Cap, though. Right. No, and I get that. I mean, I guess it's equally possible for either one of them. But you know, um, in in whatever the Forge place, um, <laughs> they uh, <laughs> there was another gauntlet. If you notice, well, because but that was the cast. That was the the mold. Was it? Because it just looked yeah, like a silver cast- gauntlet to me. He called it a prototype in the movie. Right. Yeah, so I think that they're going to end up going for that. And because in, in, in the movie, it's clear that the gauntlet is actually necessary. In the comics, the, the gauntlet is unimportant. It's just the item that Thanos happened to put the gems on. Um, but this was specifically designed to channel their power. And I have this feeling that's going to be something like originally they're going to think, okay, we're going to get the gems. Thor's going to wear the gauntlet and he's going to be able to wield the power of the infinity gems. Something's going to like incapacitate or, or pause Thor, and one of the humans is going to have to use it, but the power is going to burn them out or something. They, like, they can save everybody else but themselves. And that's sort of what I see as the, as the end game to this. And, and because Strange wanted to save Tony, I think that it's going to end up being Tony. That's, that's my suspicion. Um. I shan't indulge in speculation. I find it coarse and vulgar. Uh, well, and also because uh, I, I, I just don't want to. I really enjoy. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the one thing about the movie that 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 dampened my enjoyment, and that was the the sort of uh, insider industry knowledge that I had already. You know, it was really hard to um, get too bent out of shape about Spider-Man when I knew that the second movie was in pre-production. So so I'm trying real hard to not do what um, all of the other uh, YouTube channels are doing uh, where they they, uh, throw out their predictions because I don't want to feel like, oh – they didn't. They didn't go the way I thought they were going to go. You know, I, I'd rather. I'm going to give them not just the the space, but the but the agency to to write the movie that that that, that they're going to write. Now that said, if the, if what they present is you know stupid, sure, I can I can crack on that. <laughs> but but I don't want to be the guy. That you know that that comes out with well, my way would have been better uh, 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 because blah, blah, blah. you know th- there's too much of that with Star Wars right now. There's too much of it with other movies, and uh, uh, I really like being pleasantly surprised uh, when I watch the Marvel stuff. I'll agree with you because that was a problem with the movie because I felt like they should have inverted what they did and it should have been the original Avengers who died and it should have been all the ones we know are getting sequels that survive. So like Black Panther survives, Spider-Man survives, Doctor Strange survives because not only because of the fact that it seemed a little tone deaf that a lot of the people of color died, but also because, um, uh, but also because I felt like that way we really would give us pause to consider, are they coming back? You know, there's no, I knew Iron Man movie. There's no new Captain America movie, you know? So I don't know. They, they could just leave them permanently dead. Um, you know, so, so I agree with you on that score, but I, I disagree about speculation being inherently raw, coarse or vulgar, um, because that's just what we do as human beings. I mean, you know, 
you see things, you try to find patterns, you know, you kind of, you know, speculate on what if. And I agree that there are some fans who get rabid about it and decide that their version must be it. But, you know, I was wrong about 90% of what was going to happen in Infinity War, other than the snap, you know, which, you know, the snap I knew was coming and most of it I was wrong. I don't care. You know, so yeah. I was wrong. I, I had fun speculating. It turned out I was wrong. You know, whatever. Well, it, and and if you want to speculate, I I shan't uh, rebuke you in that in that regard. I'm just not going to do it because I really like uh, I I like where we're at right now, which is uh, not knowing what what's what's coming. You know, uh, we, we know they're going to put stuff back together, but there could be fallout from this. There could be shakeups, and I and I really appreciate them playing their cards close to the vest in that they're not announcing any new movies until after this uh, film is over, uh, and, until tw- until twenty nineteen. They're not uh, telling uh, anybody what the lineups are, and uh, the and the actors too are keeping their mouths shut about. Uh, whether they're going to be in or out or, you know, whatever. And so, because I, because I don't want it spoiled for me. Um, and, and Nathan, I say this because, uh, the lead up to this movie, uh, literally everybody that came to my theater, uh, did this. So who do you think's going to die? And I go, <laughs> well, it could be, it, it could be anybody. I mean, I, I heard it was going to be Iron Man. Uh, well, first of all, you, well, you didn't hear it was going to be Iron Man because they didn't announce any of that. And two, you're reading stuff on the internet and you should probably stop. Well, <laughs> you that's know, that's so, my problem is the people who write on the internet as fact, what is just speculation. And, and you'll see the headlines like this is going to happen. That's going to happen. And then if you read the article, a lot of times you'll find out this is just speculation. But the, the headline is fact, and most people don't click to read the article. They just read the headline. They think there's actually serious journalism going on when, in fact, it's just some blogger. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, some chucklehead. The, the thing about the you know Infinity War, especially you know we we knew people were going to possibly die. We didn't ex- we didn't expect the number. You know I think that was that that's that was part of the thrill of it. It's just like I don't yeah. know how many people are gonna be dead by the end of this, but I know someone's gonna die. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rest of it, the speculation is just built on in the second movie. We know that practically all of them are gonna come back. It's just the ones that stay out. Like which ones are gonna like you know. Cap could easily die at the very end of the of Avengers Four. Mm-hmm, I mean, sure. any of them could easily die at the end end of Avengers Four. Once we know, because the the setup of this movie is all reactionary. I mean, right. they the Russos did such a a good job of putting Thanos at the center of all of it because you know, with with so many characters in the Marvel Universe that we're already used to, they didn't need to have, like, a huge, like, they didn't need to have, like, five different stories happening at the same time. They just needed to set up, like, five different, like, set pieces for people to be doing stuff. But the center of the movie is Thanos. And yeah. and for them to do that, like, it's not necessarily that you, you like him or even remotely sympathize with him, but you kind of understand him. Like, you get what's happening here you want you get like the purpose that he he believes that he's doing for the universe and and because you have that set up everyone else is kind of just scrambling and and so by the end you're like they're at their lowest low how could they possibly pick themselves back up and that's what the thrill of the second movie is going to be it's like how do they fix it or and then once they fix it which we know will happen who gets 
burnt at the end because someone's going to be perma dead. <laughs> well, let me let me just also suggest that um, with this much rampant speculation on who who lives and who dies, it it could very well shake out that none of them die. That's they true. Could, they could literally decide. You know, Iron Man could decide. You know, I, I'm I'm too old for this shit, or I've got to I've got to heal. Uh, Cap, same thing. You know, uh, Thunderbolt Ross may decide we need Captain America, but I, I'm not going to give it to Rogers. You know, uh, Thor may decide. You know, I'm going to go hang out with the Guardians. Uh, somebody else takes the hammer, and everybody goes away uh, without actually dying. So so this is just you know, and this is one of the reasons why I'm not speculating because uh, I, it's I wouldn't put it past them to to do something like that just to kind of say look, <laughs> quit it. Yeah. Well, at not- the same time, you're looking at characters who uh, you know in these movies, if they set it up correctly, that's perfectly fine. Like right, I, and I think the fan base of Marvel Marvel movies is also at a point where we're like, you know, we can watch a movie like Civil War where you know. It's not, I mean, you have a few like really big set pieces, but it's a very intimate movie when you really like boil it down to, you know, Mm -hmm. get down there. It's about Cap and Tony's relationship and the splintering of that. And and I I know that there were some people who were like, nothing really happens. Like, oh, guys, a lot happened right there. Like, a lot happened. Um, But that's the thing. Like, we, we, we understand that these characters can also guide these movies as much as anything. So if by the end of, of Avengers four, none of them are dead, but the story makes sense in, in what they've been telling. And so far the Russos have been hitting it out of the park. You know, if everyone survived and decided to like go into retirement and be like, yeah, you earned it. Go on. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, they've I already set up. They've already set up that Tony's married. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, why, why, why not have him, uh, have he and Pepper s- step out to? Uh, yeah. uh, why not have he and Pepper step out to uh, just run the company and and be a sponsor uh, to the Avengers and not uh, not event not a, not adventure anymore? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. They can literally go anywhere, and that's the fun of it. The real question, though, is whether or not Galaga guy comes back in Avengers Four. Because oh, good lord! When I when I heard about that, it made me sad because that was my favorite minor character in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> and the Russos confirmed that he died just before he was going to get his all-time high score. And if Truly that isn't weird. a tragedy, I don't know what is. <laughs> Such a great man, that Galaga guy. That's a- his wife and children will surely miss him. Right. Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay, so this is speculation, so Mark, just close your ears, but who wants right. to bet la, 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 la. Who wants to bet that Clint's family buys it, and that's what, like, launches him into Avengers 4? Does anyone even care if Clint comes back? Oh, man! Seriously? Oh. Whoa! <laughs> You'd realize he has a rabid fan base, right? I'm sure he does. I don't care. Oh, They're not wow. on this podcast. That is cold, cold, cold. Yeah, I thought I thought Jeremy Renner was robbed by not being in this one at all. Oh, poor Jeremy Renner! He'll never get work again. <laughs> oh man! I have the smallest violin in the world, and it's playing just for him. I'm also expecting the post-credit scenes of Ant- scene of Ant Man and the Wasp to be, uh, you know, uh, Cassie Lang fading away and uh, Hank Pym oh, fading Jesus. away. 
and then Scott and, and Hope are gonna, you know, that's what's gonna launch them into Avengers 4, so. It's just so dark, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, actually, I kind of like the idea of, uh, you know, uh, uh, as much as I want to see uh, Evangeline Lilly uh, kick ass as, as uh, the Wasp, uh, it would not be uh, untoward if at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp, they look out the window and the donuts floating over the city and he, he goes, Hey, what do you make of that? Hope turns around and she's turned to dust. You know, I mean, yeah, that, that could totally, you know, but we don't even have to have a death to get them involved. You no, know? of course not. Uh, I just, I just suspect that's what it's going to be. But certainly. Absolutely. Yeah. That's uh that would be, uh, it's going to be Hank. Hank Pym's going right. to get dusted. Right. And Cassie. Isn't isn't he already half a corpse? <laughs> oh, <in the> bitch. <laughs> oh poor Michael I, Douglas. I, I kid the Michael Douglas, but I don't really, because isn't he really already, you know, he's 104. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. See, that's it. now I don't feel so bad, because when Tony and Pepper were discussing having a kid, and I'm like, you're both in your 50s. Okay, this is really weird. <laughs> Some women can have babies in their fifties, Nathan. I, I do know. Too. I do know it's possible. It's very difficult. It's very high risk. It just seems like they're talking about it so casually. Like, oh yeah, this is just a thing that can happen. You know, I didn't. I don't know. I I found it weird. <laughs> we're we're supposed to we're supposed to uh, accept that Pepper and Tony are actually somewhere. You know, like in their mid to late forties. Forties. I'm sorry. Say again. She's. Uh, I don't know how old she's. I think she's. I think she and I are the same age. I think she's 48. Mm. But she reads at the 54 year old level, so that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, oh man. But I'm sorry. I digress there. I digress really bad. Um. So okay, let's talk about Big Purple himself, uh, Thanos, because he is the. You know, he, he was in the first Guardians movie, and he's had the odd cameo in Avengers movies, but they really didn't develop his character at all in any of those. Um, so, uh, what did we think of Thanos? Um, Sam, let's start with you. Uh, well, as I said, uh, I think it, the smartest decision they made was putting Thanos at the center of it, that we're following him as he collects each Infinity Stone so that all the heroes are reacting to what he's doing. But, um, I mean, I really like Josh Brolin. Uh, I was I was actually listening to him on Mark Maron's podcast uh, today, actually, and uh, just I just dig the guy. Like, he's just really good, and I... I I just I loved everything about like the creation of Thanos in this movie, like how they 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 made it all make sense. Like you understood his position. You didn't have to agree with it or some people actually really do agree with it. I don't know. Um, I question their morality scale, but that's cool. (laughs) Um, But but at the same time, it's like when when he has to sacrifice Gamora uh, to to get those of the soul stone. Is that it? Yeah. When he does that and she's just going off like, you don't love anything. And you just see those tears in his eyes and you're like, of course he loves you in his own twisted, effed up way. Of course he does. Like, and it was, I think it was just perfectly done in terms of his character because he's the only one we knew the least amount about. And so you had to build him up in order to make sure that he was a, 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 an actual threat to them. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good with it. I'm excited to see how they destroy him in the next one. (laughs) Angie, what about you? Um, I, 
I, I feel like Infinity War is the hero's journey for Thanos. Yes, <laughs> I, think I absolutely worn out agree. By the ending that said that Thanos will return. <laughs> yeah, absolutely agree with that. That's uh, that's that's the that's the right read. Totally. Yeah. Um, and you can see it. I mean, you can see it the whole way through, and he's so crazy, and it hurts so much. Um, but yeah, he's he's on his hero's journey, and he totally wins at the end. <laughs> First Marvel villain actually win. Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, Zemo won. That is true. Never mind. Sorry, I spoke too soon. <laughs> the Russos like for the villains to win. Yeah, we should talk to them about that. <laughs> <laughs> the Russo brothers, they're whispering in each other's ear. Hail Hydra. <laughs> <laughs> like, I noticed you have father issues. Let's discuss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. They're they're Gen X kids. I know Nathan, you don't like that, but they're Gen X kids. Why don't I, I like that? Where did that come from? <laughs> well, I thought you said you didn't like the 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 Gen X uh, uh, sort of conceit that the latchkey kid generation was was Generation X. Uh, no. Okay. Well, well there was something you didn't like about. I'm my actually thesis, technically a member of Generation X. I'm right at the tail end. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, there was something about my thesis that you. Well, no, it was the fifth with. article. It was the fifth article that I didn't like, which was one that was like, speculation oh. is evil. Don't ever speculate. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I was with you on the first four. Okay. And then I'm still waiting for the sixth one where you have to destroy your favorite fandom to get it. <laughs> <laughs> the fandom you love the most. That's right. Well, that was, you love nothing. You love no fandom. Exactly. I, I hate it all, especially Planet of the Apes fandom. Don't don't ever get rid of the. Yes, Planet fandom is the worst. Whatever whatever you say. No, Angie is right. It the this is this is Thanos is the hero of the movie, and that's another wonderful structural thing that they play with in this film. Is uh, you know this this idea. Uh, well, it's 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 good villain one hundred and one. You know. Uh, um, I think I've shared with you before the quote that Christopher Lee uh, uh, gave when he was asked uh, about why he likes to play Dracula and all these memorable villains. And his response was, I don't play villains. I play people, you know, and that's that's really the secret. You know, the the it's not that the villain is hand wringing and evil. It's just that he's. At philosophical and fundamental odds with the protagonist, you know the, their goals differ wildly, and, and 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 I love the idea that Thanos feels that he's the only one strong enough to make the hard call, mm-hmm. uh, right? Like that's that's a beautifully twisted uh, notion that uh, that makes him monstrous, but also uh, not so outside the realm of. Um, it, it, it's it's it, you know whereas with Ultron you can uh, you can start off going I don't like that guy that guy's yeah he sucks but with with Thanos you go well I can kind of see how he got there you know mm. uh, so 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 he he's got this great sympathy right that's uh, that's he's present so calm I think that's that's what weirds you out too is because most of the Marvel villains have been very theatrical very over the top Thanos is just like steady. He's like, no, I know what I'm doing. I have to like stay the course. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. And yeah. and I think that's so unsettling. <laughs> yeah, he's almost he's almost got a bureaucrat's uh, distance, right? And it's and in fact, it's only when he's told he's got to 
give a, a, a soul for a soul that uh, that we see any kind of uh, emotional uh, component uh, there. And, and, and it's misplaced uh, completely. Right. Because, again, abusive. <laughs> but um, but, yeah, that's uh, uh, he, he's I, I, I think he's probably my favorite Marvel villain. Uh, and I'm including Loki in this. Uh, although I think Loki is probably the most developed only by virtue of the fact that he's gotten four movies worth of development. Mm. Uh, the fact that they were able to give Thanos as much development in this film as they did uh, is extraordinary. I was really impressed because being a longtime fan of Thanos, I felt like the Russos did a lot of work to fix, you know, to fix him basically. Because he was very one note in Guardians, and they even fixed the backstory with Gamora, because Gamora says something like he wiped out her whole planet, and then we find out, no, he just wiped out half of it in this movie. And so they're kind of trying to fix, like, the relationship and everything else, because, I mean, that's the thing. In, in the comics, Gamora actually does love Thanos, and, and it's weird, and, and it does, you know, it is a little messed up, but they, they do care about each other. It's a little different because in, in the comics, he didn't kill her planet. Somebody else killed her planet. And it was his one act of kindness ever that he took her and he raised her. Um, but, um, but it still doesn't make him a good father. But anyway. <laughs> but, but I liked that. And I liked that they were trying to like sort of move things back from being just a one-note villain of, I'm Thanos, I kill stuff, to you know being a more nuanced character and having those levels. Yeah. They took away the, the idea that, that he's doing this whole thing just to impress a girl. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is, uh, which I don't think, you know, I, I really thought we were going to get Kate Blanchett stepping in as, as deaf. And I'm, I'm now kind of glad we didn't because I think that really, uh, that sort of cheapens him. By having him be this, you know, this whole thing is 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 done, you know, to impress a chick. You know, mm-hmm. now we now now will you go out with me? Now will you make me a god? Now can we get married? Uh, well, it is. It's it's you know, and and it doesn't it doesn't speak well for for death or in this case Hella uh, either. You know what a, what a what a sorry thing to. Uh, I don't know. It just I I, I kind of like it better that he's got an emotional stake based on the fact that his planet. Uh, burned itself out, used itself up uh, due to its population, and and, and of course, uh, that allows them to give this wonderful parallel to the fact that we're, you know, not heeding uh, our the signals from our own planet. So I think that's a, I think that plays better, and also makes him less uh, less less led around by the gonads and more uh, <laughs> led around by a misguided uh, uh, heart and and head you know he's, he's got a head full of bad wiring and, and his, so his solution is to is to lay half the universe out so that that works better for in him. the comic storyline it was necessary because it gave the heroes a fighting chance because to impress death he decides to lower his power level so the heroes have like a 0.001% chance of victory or something like that because otherwise they would have zero chance and so it's like oh well you know here I'll, I'll give them a chance you know so uh, you know but here it looks like the gauntlet's messed up after this is all said and done it looks like it's destroyed so I'm thinking he's not going to be omnipotent in the following movie so there's not going to be a need to do something like that but um which means Captain Marvel can just come in and whoop the shit 
Well, that's, you know, that's <laughs> another thing we haven't talked about yet is that post credit scene, which mm-hmm. was great to see Sam Jackson, another misdirection. Oh, always good to see Sam Jackson and, and, and Agent Hill. Yeah. Lo- anytime they're in, I love it. Yeah. Th- that, you know, because I mean, say he was like, oh, I'm not in Infinity War. Yes, you are. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the thing. This is the thing I have to tell people over and over. It annoys me that people have to get told this. Just because someone involved with the movie says something doesn't mean it's true. Right. There's a lot of Just purposeful misdirection. Says something doesn't mean it's true. Right. There's, <laughs> there, there's accidental misdirection. There's purposeful misdirection. It could have been that Sam Jackson really didn't realize until he stepped on the Captain Marvel set and they shot that scene that he was going to be in. Infinity War, or could be he was just trolling the fans and saying that he wasn't in it. We don't know. Trust nobody. Yeah, don't trust anybody. That's right. Yeah, totally, <laughs> absolutely. So, um, but yeah, you know, and that was it. it was It was nice because it also showed the what's going on in the rest of the world. Because mm-hmm. the fact that if you kill half of everybody, you know, there's going to be a lot of collateral damage right afterwards where, you know, all the cars that don't have drivers anymore, helicopters that don't have pilots, you know, planes are going to you know, there's going to be a lot of more death going on. So we saw all that going on. But then at the end, you get that little, you know, thing of, you know, that little bit of hope because you see that Captain Marvel, you know, uh, logo basically show up on the pager. The interstellar ba- pager. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I'm really fascinated for in the Captain Marvel movie is where has she been for 20 years and why? You know, mm-hmm. so that'll be interesting to see that. But it was nice to have that. And I'm, I really hope that they finally end this feud between the movie and TV divisions and allow Clark Gregg to be in Avengers 4. Um, especially mm. since, you know, there isn't going to be a season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on at that point because it doesn't start till the summer. Um, yeah. So I, I would like him to be the one that introduces Captain Marvel to the rest of the group. Um, that, that, that would just... Surprise, not dead! Because right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want them to find out Coulson isn't dead. That's like, <laughs> so important to me. <laughs> Then Tony just punches Nick Fury in the face. <laughs> yeah, they bring him back and then they just punch him in the face. <laughs> well, that's how you take care of your problems in Marvel. <laughs> if uh, if there were if there's any uh, quibble, I'd I'd like to lay out about the Marvel universe, uh, the cinematic universe. It's that uh, they pulled Shield out of the movies. And sent it to the TV show where it's been basically underground mostly mm-hmm. ever since. And uh, and, I, and I I wish they hadn't done that. I understand that it was really uh, a great stepping stone to get them to the Avengers. Uh, but I kind of wish that we'd gotten a little bit more uh, of Shield mm-hmm. in in the movies as uh, as a support role because uh, I just like Sam Jackson. As Nick Fury too much, and I like what they've done with uh, with Coulson and Hill and uh, Agent Carter, and you know all that stuff has been uh, wonderful. So I, I, I really, but but I, I, it's a minor quibble because um, uh, I think it's led to some great other projects, you know, that we couldn't have otherwise gotten. But uh, it was so nice to see the two of them driving to the scene of the chaos. Um, uh, in, 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 in secret agent capacity, right? So that was that was really cool. So uh, let's talk about, was there anything in the movie that you felt didn't work or didn't like? Uh, Mark, let's start with you. 
I I really don't. I, I can't think of anything. I, I we, we I said before that that my own knowledge of what what was going on outside of the movie uh, worked against it for me. Uh, but I don't blame the movie for that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that wasn't it wasn't the movie's fault. That was just you know what I already knew. Um, I I gotta say. Uh, the I did a little watching beforehand. Uh, I rewatched uh, most of the Marvel Universe stuff, uh, some of which I revisited uh, that I hadn't watched in years. And uh, I found that uh, two things is that some of these movies held up a lot better uh, with within the larger uh, flow of films. Uh and uh, the other thing was is that I really enjoyed the Avengers movies. I mean, I really liked them. Uh, I liked them best because it was all these characters bouncing off of each other. And and especially in uh, as much as the fight scenes were fun, it's those scenes like in, in Civil War where they're sitting at the table and arguing. And we know what each we know how each person's going to fall on this. Right. But but it's so cool to watch them articulating their views. Uh, so when we get to these cool mashups, uh, that Thor gets pulled in by the Guardians and he and Tree and, <laughs> and Rabbit have go have a separate side venture. Uh you know, uh, the uh, aforementioned uh, Iron Man, uh, Doctor Strange mashup. Uh, what, seeing um, seeing Winter Soldier become uh, the White Wolf and seeing Steve Rogers uh, come back uh, out and meeting T'Challa coming out of the Quinjet. My, uh, perhaps my favorite thing was, my. I hate to say my favorite line of dialogue because it really wasn't, but the, hi, Bruce. Hi, Tasha. <laughs> God, that was great. That's all you needed for that scene. Uh, I know, but they, I wanted so much more between the two of them than we could get. How are you going to... You couldn't do it. There, there's a crisis mode. All they've got time for is a hi, Bruce. Hi, Tasha. And each of them... Those those two words that they each say to each other are just... Her hi, Bruce, is full of where the f- have you been and his high tasha is it's a really long story can we talk about it later i love that that's so good all right so so that was i i no i didn't like uh i, I didn't not like any of it i thought it was all perfect i wouldn't have done anything differently uh angie what about you just like super minor quibbles really um like I, I I missed the line about Xandar at the beginning, just totally hundred mm. percent. Had to read up on it later because I was like, wait, where did he get the powers? <laughs> like it was the thing. So, you know, I, on the one hand, I think it's awesome that they didn't feel the need to, you know, spell everything that's happened in previous movies out. But um, unlike Mark, the only thing I rewatched was Winter Soldier and Civil War. Um, before this movie, so I forgot. I forgot where the Power Stone was. I forgot about the Nova Corps, and so I just missed that entire thing <laughs> at the beginning. Um, so I don't know. Maybe we could have done with a, a little bit more <laughs> reminders of what was going on. Um, but it's a two-hour, forty-minute so movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, 
so minor. Um, I guess I should point out that they never really showed what happened to like Valkyrie, which I assumed she was dead, and I was pretty happy about it. But that, you know, her absence was noted <laughs> at the beginning. Actually, I think they, I think they said that she might have survived because uh, in the wreckage of the ship, you hear them kind of saying like, you know, some of them got away, so some of it's not like all of Asgard is dead. Oh, no, I, I think they confirmed that she did get away. They just didn't really reference it or uh, the Taika Waititi's character. Or, um, it, it just wasn't referenced. They just weren't there. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm assuming some of that got cut. At, I mean, there's, the cast is so humongous anyway. I don't. I, I'm reaching for things to quibble about here, basically. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, you know, I, overall, I was just, I was really impressed at how well they juggled everything they had going on. And it, there wasn't anything that I could point to that was like, well, that just didn't work for right. me. All of it was very um, deliberate. Um, all of all, all of my speculation was wrong, which I don't know. I'm going to disagree. I think speculation is part of the fun. Right. <laughs> but, um, I, real, I realize it's an unpopular opinion. <laughs> so... You know, I, I don't think I, I think I was most shocked when they killed off Scarlet Witch because I thought she was going to be one of the keys to restoring reality to the way it had been. But yeah, not, really, really minor quibbles overall. Oh, and you reminded me, though, with what you were saying, because we kind of got sidetracked while I was talking about Thanos, was uh, one of the things that I liked about him was that that initial scene was amazing. But the whole idea that a fight with the Hulk is just him having some fun. Mm-hmm. Which I absolutely adored because that is very much like Thanos' character is that he's supremely confident in his own abilities. And uh, even though he's, he said in, in comics before that, you know, he tries to avoid, you know, uh, like uh, things that he considers um, vulgar, like a direct confrontation with the Hulk. But he would come out on top if there was, you know, if that did happen. So, um well, and he did just recently get the Power Stone as well, so there could be kind of yeah, a, I don't think that, to play with it. Yeah, I, I think that was a demonstration of power. Uh, with the Power Stone, he's easily the Hulk's, uh, you know, level. Mm. You know, and that, I, th- I thought that was uh, that was good storytelling, but also speaks to character, which is which is which is a, a hallmark of a good uh, script that it can do that double duty. Beat him into submission. <laughs> Uh, Literally, no. he doesn't want to come out. I know, I know. Yeah, the Hulk is scared now. So, right? Yeah. Unless he's Loki. Yeah. Mm. Uh, no, because I mean, I, here's here's the thing with Loki. I, I think not only. I mean, Tom Hiddleston has been kind of clear that he wants out, um, and, and I don't think it's a negotiating tactic with him like it is sometimes. Like Robert Downey Jr. Oh, I'm getting kind of tired of these movies. You know, it's like okay, Disney, send me five truckloads of cash. You know, unload them on the front yard. You know, that's a negotiating tactic. Um, but um, also because they, they, they directly put into the dialogue, no resurrections this time. It, it has me thinking the Loki death is permanent. Because um, otherwise I would feel like that was, you know, that line is just completely pointless. So, um, well, I also think because with Loki's character, there's only so many times you can run around the block with that. Right especially with the movies. Um, I mean, comics, yeah, you can rehash a lot of things like for, you know, decades worth of stories. But I think with the movies, watching Loki and Thor play that same, you know, dance is just going to get kind of stale. Um, at, at the very least with Tony, you can still see 
potential in terms of storylines for him. I think he's not going backwards and forwards. He's only kind of moving forward at this point. Mm-hmm. No, no, just my two cents on that one. Uh, but Sam, I'm sorry, I, I digressed again. Um, <laughs> was there anything about the movie that you felt uh, didn't work or that you didn't like? Um, no, there wasn't a ton. I think in terms of you know the the romantic storylines that were weaved through, like I, yeah, Vision and Scarlet Witch, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but um, it, I mean, it, I don't know, it just didn't didn't matter to to me on that level. I understood what the point and and everything. This is like, nah, whatever. Um, if they both survive at the end, sure, fine, whatever. Keep going on, you crazy kids. <laughs> um, but uh, the it was the Star Lord and Gamora bit that. It's not that I hated it. It's that at the end of Guardians 2, it was, again, they, they ended on that line, like, some unspoken thing. Like, they hadn't, they admitted to their feelings without, like, completely admitting to it. And for her to be, like, in, in Infinity War, I love you so much, like, that felt like it wasn't true. Like, that didn't sound like something Gamora would have actually said to Peter at this point. Like, they had just gotten to a place where they could sort of talk about the fact that they have feelings for each other. Um, Because they're both, you know, traumatized and broken people. I I assume Um, that years had passed since Guardians 2 and this movie. I don't think that's right. No. No. All this stuff is all kind of happening simultaneously. Because, I mean, they had a bigger ship at the end of Guardians 2, and they're back to the little ship at the the beginning of this. Uh, And I felt like them all singing together you know, like, show that a lot of time had passed and they were very much, like, in the groove now of being, like, a family, you know, and... Well, no, I don't disagree with that part. I mean, it's not to say that some time couldn't have passed, but I don't think it was enough where they were at that stage. Or at least, I don't think I would believe it unless James Gunn had a hand in in saying, like, yeah, yeah, they're totally at that place. Because, I don't know, it just feels like with the Guardians, you know, the Guardians cast, James Gunn is the is the expert on right now. And I would just... Well, interestingly... It, it just didn't... I, I, I was just going to say, I, I actually preferred them as written by the Russos, but that's just me. Eh. To each their own. I'm, I'm just saying in terms of where they were the last time I saw them, and then where they were in Infinity War, I feel like that was too much. It was like pushing too much. You could have still gotten away with it. Like, cause we all know that star Lord is like madly head, head over heels in love with her. And he wears his heart on his sleeve mm-hmm. and all that kind of, shit. but Gamora is less, less so. And she's opening up to Peter slowly, but I don't think she was necessarily at a, I love you so much phase. I don't think she was at that stage yet. Ever since they dropped the line about pelvic sorcery, it's been like watching paint dry for me. So I'm glad they just get it out of the way because I would have liked, I would have preferred a much more aloof Gamora than they had her in the movies. I wanted the deadliest woman in the galaxy, and she has never been that in the movies. So I'm, I'm, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, she's going to fall in love with the scumbag. I get it. This is a trope in every movie ever. So just get it over with. Um, I know they actually took their time with it. That's the thing in in the first and the second movies. Like they're not they're not a couple throughout the second movie. It's only really until the end where they kind of sort of admit to it, and then then suddenly by Infinity War, like oh my god, I love you so much, I could just die. <laughs> like I I I understand that with Peter. I get that with Peter. Gamora's not there yet, so I felt like they kind of pushed that along too quickly. I don't know if I heard this or read it somewhere, or maybe I just sort of kind of. Uh, did it myself. Uh, well, I think I, I seem to recall that uh, the the timeline was six months after Guardians two, 
is mm. when this is going on. Oh, okay. See, I thought, because I thought someone had written up the timeline that Guardians 2 ha- actually happens much earlier than a lot of the other Phase 3 movies because of, you know, they kept track of the years and how long Peter had been in space and everything else. And so I figure if Infinity War is happening when it's supposed to, like in 2018, there'd been more time between Guardians 2 and Infinity War. But maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe. I, I, don't, I don't pay attention to the timelines as much as, you know, some people are because I realize there have been problems and Feige's like, oh God, you know, to stop harping on timelines. Um, because they realize they've well, screwed now we're something. Back to the 90s, right? So, you know. They've realized they've screwed something up with the number of years they've said with something. And so I, I was a little disappointed with um, Strange's power level, which I realize is a very minor uh, gripe, but especially how much they use the mirror dimension in the Doctor Strange movie. The fact that either A, he doesn't try to hide in the mirror dimension, or B, he doesn't put um, Thanos' kids in the mirror dimension and then be like, all right, let's fight here, um, where I have the upper hand, uh, like, completely threw me, because I was like, why wouldn't he do Obviously, against Thanos, that's not going to work, because Thanos already had the reality stone by the time he encountered him, but I felt like that fight in New York was like, what, what are you doing, Strange? you're like fighting with one hand tied on your back it's it's kind of ridiculous also the fact that wong just like exits himself out of the (laughs) he's just like i gotta wait peace out (laughs) this is more than i can handle um i I also wanted some of the doctor strange theme to be in the movie because um i I was not a fan of the riff i mean it basically sounded like lord of the Rings soundtrack by way of avengers movie which I get they wanted the epic feel, but I, like, for each character, I wanted their own theme. And, and we get, like, the Black Panther theme in Wakanda, and I just felt, like, strange, because that is the best music any of the Marvel movies have done. I wanted that Doctor Strange the- uh, theme when he was being awesome, uh, especially with his fight with Thanos. Um, I-, I wanted that to, to be playing, and uh, so, you know, again, fairly important clip um or or problem the the other thing though that kind of niggles at me watching the movie and i've seen it three times now is that where i felt like the first avengers movie was a perfect melding of all movies before it i felt like infinity war was kind of like you know things like thor ragnarok hey you like that happy ending at the end of thor ragnarok well guess what Everyone dies. It was kind of like it was spitting on a lot of the movies that came before. Like, Civil War, you wanted that to have ramifications? Guess what? We'll hand wave it away in a single conversation. You know, it just, it felt like they were like, this is the story we wanted to tell. We wanted to tell it since the beginning. And all the other stuff that kind of deviated from it, we had to, like, smash it in, you know, and make it, you know, go in this direction right here. And so it didn't feel as woven together as that first Avengers movie. And while it was a great story as it was told, it feels to me like it would be a lot more jarring to watch this movie after watching a lot of those previous movies than what going from like Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Avengers, like you wanted to just do Iron Man's thread or just do Thor to Avengers or Captain America, first Avenger to Avengers. Like, uh, <laughs> hmm. uh, comments, Mark? Uh, well, okay. Um, okay. So I, I did this, right? Like I, I, uh, went back on, on a lot of this stuff. And, uh, uh, as I mentioned, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the lesser movies, 
that people have have called lesser movies hold up much lar- better in this larger context. Uh, Iron Man is not nearly as bad as people remember it what, because Iron Man? we could. Or Iron oh, Man too, okay. Because let's say everybody we, loves Iron we, Man. <laughs> well, we could we could see we could see where Iron Man two uh, is kind of moving forward with the new power source arc reactor thing and. Um, the the Black Widow um, storyline, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, the 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 stripper fight where every every one of the agents was a pole to be uh, <laughs> revolved around. Um, well, I, I you know I get it, but but it, but it, it I went, was able to look back at it now and go, oh, cool, this is her. Without you know, with, now that I know all the stuff that they've done to make her a, a more fully realized character, it's cool to see her in this role as sex object to to distract and get information from, you know, to, to keep tabs on Tony Stark, uh, which is which is the role that she plays in the in the comic a lot. Uh, you know, she trades on her looks because she's Matahari for the Marvel universe, right? And so um, so I th- I don't think it's going to be as jarring as you think it is. Um, you know, at the end of Ragnarok, Thanos's ship shows up. Uh, right, know, but totally the- switch from Ragnarok to that scene in Avengers Infinity War. You know, from even bad stuff is kind of like, oh, you're actually alive. <laughs> you know, like everything that looks feels like it's going to be like dramatic, like in Ragnarok turns around. And so it just feels like that as a through line into the beginning of this is very jarring. Well, at the end of uh, at the end of Avengers 2, um, we, we see him um, smash the uh, thing and say, fine, I'll do it myself. And so he's largely absent uh, from that point on. You know, like he's not in Guardians 2. Um, he's, uh, yeah, he doesn't, Thanos does not show up again until, uh, well, yeah, until the ship in, in Thor mm-hmm. Ragnarok. So, um I think the reason why they mentioned that he's he's already gotten the power stone is because that's happening while all this other stuff is is taking place. So I don't know. I I just I I think you're gonna see it. It it seems jarring now only because it's the most recent movie in front of us. We don't have another movie to compare it to, and it's coming off of uh, the fun movie that was Thor Ragnarok and the enriching movie that was Black Panther, uh, both of which end, you know, fairly positively, right? Uh, I Well, I submit Thor it doesn't end on a positive note, uh, you know, because it's called Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like, you know, we, that, that was sort of telegraphed, <laughs> you know, by calling it Thor Ragnarok, kind of knew where that was going. Uh, not a surprise. You don't have to know Norse mythology. Uh, take that, Neil Gaiman. <laughs> 
yeah, yeah. And so, and but, uh, but yeah. To I, I think, I think it's it is a tonal shift, but it's not an unexpected one because you, Nathan, being the comic book guy that you are, and the um, aficionado of Thanos that you are, uh, you should have kind of known that was going to happen, no. right? No, and I did. And but what I'm talking about is watching the movies and. I, I, See, I, I disagree that you need to have a sequel to compare it to, because like I said, when I watched Avengers, the thing that I touted was that you could take this as if it was Iron Man 3 or Thor 2 or Captain America 2, and it feels like a direct sequel, you know, the, the tonally, you know, plot-wise, everything, it feels like a natural just weaving together of all of those movies, and it feels like it's the sequel to all of them. And so that's where I feel like this is not the same kind of experience. I think you may have been expecting the impossible right. here, though. I mean, I feel like this that's part of the reason the disproportionate number of the Guardians got killed off was because tonally they have done, Marvel has done so much, um, even since that first Avengers movie, that you just can't you, can't. you can't have a unified tone for all of these different films because they were playing with different tones. Um, I'm actually impressed that they've managed to have any sort of cohesion in tone whatsoever. I mean, all of the characters felt like themselves. You know, they were recognizable as themselves. None of them got shoehorned into a completely different, you know, genre of film, I guess. Right, right. But but, but the Guardians had to go darker than they, yeah. than they have gone. And that's probably why Rocket lived. Because <laughs> he's, he's the well, darkest one. Actually, because he's, yeah, he's the best of the characters in Guardians anyway. So. <laughs> so I, will, I will say that when um, Steve meets... Group for the yeah. first time. I am Steve. <laughs> like, this is my friend Tree. I am Groot. I am Steve. <laughs> <laughs> okay, best best scene of the Guardians melding with the other characters is Bucky picking up Rocket and them spinning around and shooting at everything. Yes. Oh my god, it was so good. <laughs> How much for the arm? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get that arm. Yeah, that was so good. Oh yeah. man. Well. Pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, well, we could talk about this movie, I think, for another hour, but um, I think we should probably wrap things up. So, um, Sam, I know that you've got to get out of here, so let's start with you. And um, if you want to engage in any speculation about what you want to see in the next movie, you can do so. But then uh, say <laughs> goodbye and let people know where they can find you. Uh, yes, uh, g- good night, Internet, or good day. I don't know where you are. Um, <laughs> uh, if you if you would like to follow any of the some of the ramblings that I have online, you can go to uh, at darling underscore Sammy, S-A-M-M-Y. Um, you can also go to uh, that girl with the curls on SoundCloud, which is my podcast, which Nathan has been a guest on on a few times um and also a uh, pop culture archives dot uh, which is the new blog i haven't gotten around to buying the domain yet mm. so <laughs> um, uh, and as far as speculation goes hmm i don't know I, I i think with with i'm just excited to see what they do i mean i don't really like spoilers don't bother me. Like I could know exactly what happens in a movie and still be entertained. Um, but I'm just excited to see how Captain Marvel fits in with it. I just want to see that. I think that's going to be my favorite part. <laughs> so she's going to save us all, man. That's right. <laughs> they need to adapt the Flash Terrible Gordon world. theme for it. <laughs> Miss Marvel or Captain Marvel? Oh she's going to save everyone. Miss Marvel, of us. yeah. <laughs> 
Well, no, I, I my problem is I think of Carol Danvers as Miss Marvel. That's a whole other oh, issue. No, you shouldn't do that. She's uh, Captain Marvel. Miss Marvel is... is, is well, no, well, she was Miss Marvel. <laughs> no, I understand that part, Nathan. <laughs> I realize these are different Miss Marvel now. But anyway. All right. You're geekish. Yeah, show. yeah. Like, all right, but... <laughs> all right. It was... Love you too, right. It was great having you on the podcast, though. <laughs> Always glad to be here. Bye. All right, so Angie, why don't you uh, say goodbye? Let people know if they can find you at all on the internet, and uh, if you wish to engage in uh, speculation, much to Mark's chagrin, then, then feel free. Uh, no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't find me on the internet. Um, and, you know, all of my relation was wrong, and they killed all my favorite characters, so I feel like I could only make it worse by doing any more speculating. That's right, Angie, you're part of the problem. <laughs> well, I do, I do have to say this. One of the things that I love so much about the cinematic universe is that it takes inspiration from the comics, but is not a slave to the comics. Yeah. So whether you're familiar with the comics or not, you can, you don't know what they're going to take from the comic and what they're going to go off on their own with. So you, the speculation, you know, it's part of the fun because you're also guessing what they're ditching and what they're keeping from a previous storyline. I don't know. Anyway, that's that's part of the draw for me. So I, I do love to speculate, but I'm I'm gonna bow out of this one. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, Infinity Infinity Gauntlet. They would need to do like 50 movies before they could do Infinity Gauntlet like the comics. So you already have to go into it knowing that's gonna be there. I mean. The fact that Adam Warlock hasn't been introduced other than as a concept at the end of Guardians, like the, the merest hints of a concept, uh, tells you that it's not going to be anything at all like the comics, because he would be intrinsic uh, to that. So, yeah, I see. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's just fun. Um, but oh, oh, I'm still full for Stark biting it, though, at the end. I, I truly think that he's the he's the original that's going to go down. All right. All right. So, Mark. Why don't you say goodbye to everyone? Let them know where they can find you. Well, uh, I also podcast with the Gentleman Nerds at thegentlemannerds.com. And uh, again, my website is actually uh, a blog. It's Mark the Aging Hipster. Uh, and uh, you can find me uh, through there searching Finn's Wake. I'm also Finn's Wake on Twitter. And just for you, Nathan, I'm going to give you uh, a little, a little, a little. Uh, speculation. Uh, wow! Just, just for you, a little speculation. I think that um, that the second movie is going to be essentially getting the band back together, right? And uh, that's why Hawkeye is going to show up, and I think Ant Man is going to show up, and uh, it'll be uh, interesting to see how this all plays out. Uh, I don't think Gamora is dead. Uh, because we didn't really see the body, so to speak. Uh, and I think that uh, that's why the Infinity Gauntlet cracked. I think it cracked because uh, the soul that, that was given up was actually Thanos' soul and not Gamora's. I think the Infinity, I think the Soul Stone took Thanos' soul uh, instead of Gamora's. And, and it'll either be Gamora or Nebula. Like in the comics, right, where Nebula gets the gauntlet, uh, uh, Tony will put her back together with nanoids 
and and I think she will be instrumental uh, in uh, in bringing about the destruction of Thanos because it's got to be the the daughters that take him out. So that's yeah. Because there was something weird going on with the Soul Stone, where suddenly there's the bright light. Suddenly, like Thanos is in the water, like somewhere else, and Stone is there. And I never got what they were trying to show with that scene. I kept expecting a fake out because, you know, they called it Infinity War rather than Infinity Gauntlet. And for anyone, I'm sorry, spoilers for a story that's like 20 years old. Um, If anyone reads Infinity War, the idea in that is a different character is trying to get the Infinity Gems. And how what what they do is they give him a fake one uh, for one of them. And so he never really truly becomes omnipotent, which is how they defeat him. And so I kept expecting a fake out. But we see Thanos use each of the stone individually. So I, I don't right. think that there is a fake out going on. I believe he got all six stones, but I wondered what was going on with that scene if it wasn't a fake out. And so maybe that's what that was about is that it was his soul that was taken and they were trying to show that in some way. And that's why he ended up on the ground, which is where Gamora should have been. Um, so right. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that, that I think that, that that there's some kind of intentionally vague stuff that's going to pay off uh, in in the second movie because you know that's the other big thing. Just it's just so important uh, to remember that uh, this is half the story. This isn't even the full story, you know. And uh, uh, so so it's it's cool that some things don't make sense right now, uh, uh, and and that they will pay off. Uh, down the road. I just feel like that's a better thing anyways, you know? So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, Sam, Angie and Mark, thank you for being on the show today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. And that's it for Avengers infinity war. We hope that you liked the episode, and if you did, you can tell us in a whole bunch of different ways. One way is by emailing us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is by going to our website and dropping us a line there at 42cast.com. You can also go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can tweet to us at at 42cast, or you can leave us reviews on Stitcher Radio or iTunes. Don't forget the ESO Patreon, which is a way of contributing some funds to help all the shows on the network. It gives you access to exclusives, such as episodes that are only up on the Patreon page. There is a 42Cast episode up there, so you can check that out. So yeah, if you want to help keep all of the shows on the network on the air, including the 42Cast, then please do what you can. There are some changes coming to the 42Cast soon. By soon, I mean as soon as we've cleared out the backlog. Um, I'm going to do more shows with a theme or a uh, just a consecutive run of similarly grouped episodes. I'm going to have some co-hosts for each of those uh, episodes. So that, like, for instance, I've already announced Stephanie as the co-host on all of the Star Trek episodes. So she's with me for the entirety of Star Trek. Uh, Angie is going to be with me doing, uh, you know, comic book adaptations. We're going to read the comics. We're going to watch the movies that were that were based on those comics. And then we're going to see, you know, discuss how good of an adaptation it is of the material. So that's another one that's coming. So, um, look forward to that. Um, trying to just create, you know, things that might, uh, 
provide more of a hook, I realize, on a show like this where we discuss a different topic every week. It's hard to maintain an audience because, hey, you might be interested in this episode. Then you might not be interested in another episode, you know, for another six, seven episodes, whatever. So um, hoping that with that I can create a little more stability while still keeping the flexibility to do different kinds of episodes on a lot of different topics. So, And that's another thing that if you want to drop a line, you can always comment on that, how you feel about that, and uh, what you'd like to see from the 42 cast. So uh, both in the nature of hosts, uh, co-hosts, and um, what kind of topics that we do a series on like that. So let me know. But that's it for this episode. Join us back next week when Frank Welker will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2019. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.